Well, good evening. And uh, uh, you too, Uncle Archie and Uncle Jack, can uh, forget about us not crying <laughs> because um, it's a very uh, sad day, of course, the passing of uh, Uncle Jack Charles, another child of the stolen generation. Uh, you listen to the mission, by the way, on Triple uh, R 102.7 FM. Uh, through to you, through to eight this evening, broadcasting to you from Triple R World Headquarters, which is on the Wurundjeri land of the Kulin Nation in here in this town, Melbourne. I pay my respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Not emerging, that's not a thing. I'm just going into automatic mode at the moment. Um, so, uh, another child of the stolen generation. The son of Blanche Charles, Jack Charles, taken from his mother as an infant from the flats at Marupna, has gone and left us without permission. <laughs> One of 11, he will go on to suffer at the Salvation Army's boys' home. One of the very few black babies there at the time, away from his mum, away from his aunties, away from his culture and away from love. As that child, he found himself in a cold world with not much light. He suffered, he was humiliated, he was sexually abused and it set him on a path to addiction, incarceration and a long and protracted fight with his own demons. Demons that could only be found in between the two worlds he found himself in. Distant from his own culture, rejected from the society he was supposed to be assimilated into for his own good. But despite all this, despite every barrier that was dumped in his way, he went on to become a great man. An inspiration to so many, someone who became... A professional in the spirit lifting game. Everyone around him felt better for being in his presence. And it's been great to see the outpouring of emotion and grief today. And it seems that everyone in Melbourne, and I don't think I'm overstating this at some point, has had their photo taken <laughs> with Uncle Jack Charles. Uh, he was one of those people you didn't even bother inquiring about in terms of how old they were. Uh, he was always there, he was always youthful, he was always cheeky. I had no idea whether he was 59, 69 or 79. I only found out today that he was 79 as he was still riding his bike around the streets of Nam from one gig to another, from one interview to another, full of energy, optimism, love and light. So today we learned of his passing and he's being lauded for the elder that he is on the man of stage and screen. From the Prime Minister down, the accolades have been heartfelt and immense and I hope, in fact I think I know he knew how loved he was by so many in his lifetime. The Boon, Boonarong, Jajarong, Wagarong and Yorta Yorta elder and, coincidentally, the 2022 Male Elder of the Year this year for NADOC. 
the son of Blanche, and as he found out only just last year, the son of Hilton, Hilton Walsh, Walsh, a man that was the missing jigsaw puzzle in Uncle Jack's life for so long. And it would not surprise you to know that uh, Uncle Hilton, born, born on Camera Gundra in 1923, was a good-looking rooster, uh, very charismatic, very clever, a man about town. And I think we all know that uh, Uncle Larch inherited many of those traits. But I think at the end of the day, he will be remembered in so many ways. But I remember him as the son of Blanche, a man of Melbourne, an elder. He did good. Blanche would have been proud of him. And I hope he, I hope he gets to tell her about it or when he um, meets her next. So our thanks and thoughts are with his family uh, during this time. And we thank them so much for allowing us to talk about him and his life, which is what I invite you to do tonight. Um, later in the episode, I'll be playing an interview I had with him in 2019 at the release of his uh, book, Born Again, Blackfella, which was, of course, co-authored with uh, Namilla Benson. And I know that Namilla will be struggling tonight with uh, many others, so I'm thinking of her and everyone else out there that's uh, doing a little bit tough. But if you want to share your thoughts, uh, 0466981027. Just to show how diverse the fellow was, uh, let's play this track. Uncle Archie Roach there, with a child was born here. And I found myself, you know, recently, every time we lose an elder, and we are losing far too many of them uh, this year alone, when I think of them, I think of them as the boy or the girl that they were and the life that they had. And... When I think of Uncle Jack Charles, who coincidentally was born on the same stretch of land as Uncle Archie Roach, uh, a number of years apart, I think of a person that didn't have a country that had in his heart and in the mind of that country a script written for him that turned out the way that his story did. If you had asked the little boy at the Salvation Army home in Melbourne all those long, dark years ago, whether the Prime Minister of Australia, the Premier of Victoria and everyone else in between would be lauding his immense efforts to the arts and to the community and to the soul of this country, I'm guessing the little boy wouldn't have imagined that in any way, shape or form, despite all the obstacles that were placed in his way, he grew up to become a great man and a man that I hope found those last pieces of the jigsaw of his own story towards the end of his life, which just seems remarkably too soon for someone that was so, still so boyish, so cheeky, so irreverent, and so positive, and someone that was riding his bike and swearing at uh, like a crowd, <laughs> like like reclad cyclists all over Melbourne, a place that he knew like the back of his hand. 
It is 20 past seven. You're listening to The Mission on 102.73 Triple FM. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to play an interview I had with uh, Uncle Jack back in 2019 at the launch of his book, Born Again, Blackfella. Uh, we sat down, we had a great yarn. Um, he's delightful. He's um, in the moment. He is Uncle Jack Charles. So without further ado, I'm going to play that and uh, come back with more later. To tonight's first guest, I was actually thinking of writing a fancy introduction for Uncle Jack Charles, but (laughs) then I happened to gaze over the back of his new book, Jack Charles Born Again Blackfella, and it says better things than I ever could, far more interesting things that I could ever write, never saves me toil, I'm all, all for that. So let me just read to you a little bit of what's on the back of his new book, which is available in all good bookstores. It reads, Jack Charles has worn many hats throughout his life, actor, cat burglar, musician, heroin addict, activist, even senior Victorian Australian of the year. But the title he's most proud to claim is that he's an Aboriginal elder. Stolen from his mother and placed into institutional care when he was only a few months old, Uncle Jack was raised under the government White Australia policy. The loneliness and isolation he experienced during those years had a devastating impact on him and that endured long after he reconnected with his Aboriginal roots and discovered his stolen identity. Even today he feels like an outsider, a loner, a fringe dweller. In this honest and no-holds-barred memoir, Uncle Jack reveals the ups and downs of his crazy, drugged-up, locked-up, fucked-up, and at times unbelievable life. Uncle Jack Charles, welcome to Triple R again. Oh, it's great. Yeah, thank you to have for having me, Daniel, on the on the mission here. What a wonderful mission you got running here. Oh, thank you very much. It's thank one you. of the better ones, isn't it? It is. It's a great mission, mate. Yeah. Um, why do you describe yourself as a born-again black fella? Uh, well, I'm as passionate as a born-again Christian so, about what Uncle Jimmy Berg's Curry Heritage Trust had given unto me and uh, link up. Yeah. I, um, I, there's only one area there that I need to uh, understand more as to why Truganini mm-hmm. and Tommy McRae's on my family tree. Wow, that's amazing. So now it's nice to be able to say, you or two years ago they found out who my old man was. So it's nice to say I'm not a mere Curry, but I'm Wiradjuri on my father's side. Comes from Leeton, New South Wales. Jajabarung uh, on my paternal great greats side. Um, Yorta Yorta Bunwarung on my mum's side. And That's where your looks come from, the Yorta Yorta side. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I know the James, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, look, I, and my mum was a schoolgirl up there, part of the walkout. Yeah, right. And then I remember doing that. Uh, that third episode of Women in the Sun series, many of the actors in it were the sons and daughters, nephews and nieces, the cousins of the people that actually were on the walkout. The the famous walkout of 1938 where the Aboriginal people of Kamragunja used to have to ask permission to leave the mission <laughs> and eventually decided that they'll jack off that and the um, overbearing mission manager of the time yeah, and they yeah. got up and walked off and headed down south to to, uh, to Shepherd and where there's a large and re- you know vibrant Aboriginal community as we uh, as we sit here and speak tonight. And the irony is, I was taken from Dasher's Paddock at four months just outside. So you weren't so, taken from Kamagunja. You were taken no, from no, Dasher's Paddock. No, I was taken Paddock. from Dasher's. She managed to keep me, 
Yeah. Many of us were born, Daniel, in Royal Women's Hospital, us Melburnians. Yeah. And, uh, but she managed to keep a hold of me. Under the assimilation policy, I was supposed to be plucked from the hospital. Fair income. But she managed to keep me, firstborn, and got me as far as Dash's paddock, and that's where they, <laughs> where they grabbed me and took me to Brunswick City Mission Baby's Home. So Dash's paddock is a, is a stretch of land near the banks of the Golden River between Marupna and Shepparton, and it's where a lot of blackfellas sit themselves up in the early days after after they walked off the missions and they went to work in, as fruit pickers and in the cannery there in, right, yeah. in Shepparton. And the young queen in 53 was going through. Yeah. So they put that hessian fence along there so she wouldn't see us living in third world conditions. Now, that is one of the more <laughs> remarkable stories because... Excuse me. No, you're right. Um... Uh, yeah, the Queen's first visit to Australia in yeah. 1953. She went everywhere, oh, all over everywhere. the countryside. I saw her at Box Hill Boys' Home. Ah, OK. I was on the, all the rest of the other Auckland kids on the Box Hill Boys' Home and we all waving like Billy-O with our we, Union Jack yeah, flag. Yeah, you had a Union Jack flag. And that and... Uh, and uh, and uh, we put it in the show, Jack Charles versus the Crown. Romerall wrote a good piece, <laughs> and we added in Bob Menzies' words. And I, and um, and as I saw her passing yes. by, I did but love her till the day I die. Yeah, that, that was kind of creepy of Bob. I thought it was. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, really strange. But me, well, I adored the Queen. Right, you know, uh, she was from the mother country. Yep. For a while, I took her to be my mum. Big Phil, the Greek, my dad, and the Queen Mama, bless her, me nana. That's how the whitewashing in the Box Hill Boys' home had gotten a hold of me. You've gone from from being stolen, as, as you said, to raised in a series of institutions, Box Hill being one of them. You eventually found yourself in prison. You were a loner and an outsider, rejected and forgotten by society. How do you go from that state to now receiving standing ovations Wherever you go, how does that happen in one lifetime? Um, I believe uh, after Bastardy, uh, truly, Daniel, I hadn't. Uh, it was a period of about six years filming that, doing two one-year jail sentences, eight years all told. Yep. And I hadn't realised the impact that uh, Bastardy, the documentary, would have on my life or on uh, many Melburnians, um, people that I'd robbed had come and seen uh, uh, Bastardy the Docco, um, um, my former comrades. We had to have two premiere nights in 2008 for Bastardy the Docco. Such was the line-up around the block. Right. So former CIU inspectors and functioning policemen came along and saw it. Uh, I've led many of them over many years on many... Uh, an operation, get Jack Charles and that over in Turak and Q and etc. sitting in their private cars. So uh, hard after that, you know, that I added myself in so many ways in Bastardy the Doco that I hadn't intended, but it worked well because people acknowledged that I owned everything in my past. That's uh, that's, that's a secret too. That's the yeah, secret. It's Aboriginal law too, by the way. Yeah. There can never be in Aboriginal law any mitigating circumstances for your crimes. 
Yep. And you know you're due for certain punishments for certain crimes and you had to undertake them. You couldn't plead the fifth as the Yanks do. You couldn't plead, oh, I was stolen or I was drunk, I was on, you know, I was on amphetamines or something. You can't plead those kind of things in Aboriginal law. So I owned this. I did the time for my crimes. Melbournians noticed that. And then hard after that, two years later, there I was in a Fairfax studio uh, had having written... You know, with John Romerill, yeah. a play we called Jack Charles vs. The Crown. Yeah. It was a hoot because there everybody came along and saw that. People I'd robbed, people, you know, former police inspectors had come along and seen it because they were following my journey. And particularly after that that performance piece, Jack Charles vs. The Crown, going around uh, Victoria and then around Australia, and that proved to me that, um, uh, yeah, I became a, a kind of a leader black light for uh, many Victorians uh, they chose me to be their senior Victorian Australian of the year that tells me that everybody likes and uh, likes to see and witness uh, the story of a, a reformed rehabilitated old coot that they feel they know <laughs> so basically you really only became accepted when you accepted yourself Oh, yeah, well, before I left jail, I, uh, I had undertaken uh, the Muramali program delivered by Auntie Lorraine Peters yeah. and her daughter Shana at the uh, Loddon Prison. It, um, I like to say in the book, uh, it instantly uh, impacted with me. It uh, relit the burning embers of my, as I, as I see, as you read there before, my locked up, fucked up, grogged up, drugged up dreamings. And that it did do that for me, and it did do it for for many others. I know a couple of others that are still, uh, you know, have gone back into their communities down Maui and uh, one up in Swan Hill that have settled and they're doing well. And that, and uh, we had said we'd promised to catch up with each other down the track. Well, through the torch program, I met the bloke down at uh, uh, down at Maui, Sid Austin, and. Uh, you know, we have. I have great plans to reinvest in uh, reconstitute uh, community workshops and that mm. because uh, since the abandonment of these uh, of the closing the gap measures, you know, local councils and state governments were noticing that they weren't getting any big back black bangs out of those black bucks. So they pulled the funding, and since they pulled the funding, uh, these places were were not being utilised, and so there were a rising number of uh, young ones in our institutions. In and Parkville and uh, Malmesbury and older ones in our in our prisons. So I believe that uh, uh, you've got to get back to basics. Let's reconstitute, but this time run them with honesty and integrity. It seems to me, I mean, we, we know for a fact that um, there is still a massive over-representation of Aboriginal people oh. in, in the... Well, they're incarcerated and involved in the justice system. Um, why do you think that is? Uh, because of the abandonment yeah. of community centres. Yep. Okay? There's nowhere to go. There's no organisation for people to gravitate towards in the course of a lazy day. You come out of prisons, you're not there, you're, you're homeless, and that. There are no hostels anymore. You know, so uh, we're left to, to, you know, and the system seems, for many of them, they tell me when I go inside, the system is set up for us to fail. So I've gone into adult prisons and that, uh, and I have said, 
you know, raise your hands those that have been here three years, three times. Mm. They said, well, actually, the system requires you to keep on coming back. They want you to be dedicated recidivist. The system can't function unless you are playing their game. Well, even even more so now than ever that it seems, especially now that, that the prisons in particular have gone private. Private, yep. Um, and they need to be fed. Archie Roach and I are feeling very uncomfortable with the Office of Corrections as it stands now. We don't feel that we're welcome in Parkville, that we're welcome in uh, Malmesbury, and also recently at the NADOC uh, uh, week, I, I felt a distinct, uh, you know... Uh, well, I was invited to uh, Port Phillip and we had a great session there, but I tried to get into Ravenswood, yeah. where my niece was working, and uh, it was uh, difficult, and I felt uh, that... Uh, that I really wasn't welcomed. So uh, the idea is that uh, uh, people like myself need to uh, seek an audience with Daniel Andrews and the Minister for Corrections and uh, Police and that uh, I need to be taken seriously. My criminal record probably is, you know, a bit of an impediment from their, under, from their viewpoint, you know. But I'm the man that has gone up to Waverley Police Academy and spoken yeah. to, to the cadets I have now even more information that I'd love to go up there because I've recently found that my great-great-grandfather, Corinder, Johnny Charles and William Brack were members of the Victorian Native Police Force. I want to have a look at their archives in regard to this. It's unfinished business, this hidden, denied history. And, that, and, uh, and since I have a, a big... You know, my, my great-greats had a big role in playing, you know, in those early years, collecting mining licence fees from the gold miners, being pitched into the battle, escorting the gold bullion down from Ballarat to the, to the Mint and etc. There's a bigger story I'd like to... You know, this is only the first book, mate. Oh, I, I have no doubt whatsoever yeah. that this is only the first chapter and yeah. what could be a multi-chaptered um, <laughs> <laughs> story. I mean, I mean the, 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 the government and senior bureaucrats and those that work in corrections and justice, they would be doing themselves a massive disservice if they weren't listening to you and people like you. And I know that there's a number of blackfellas at the moment actually lined up waiting to see the Premier Daniel Andrews about a range of subjects. But Especially what... as you were mentioning before, the tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was um, looked to be a very successful... Um, rally today. We've had moments with Daniel Andrews where we got that that two-year-old body out of uh, out of Mr. West's office from the museum that had been lying there for 99 years. You know, yeah. it was a yeah, folly yeah, yeah. and all that mob that got that that skeleton the back out and reinterred it in the property where it come from. The property owner had uh, cyclone fenced off that area, and that uh, with lots of hair pulling and right wailing, which they said it wouldn't happen, but it did. Uh, that uh, about, and Foley then became the first Aboriginal uh, uh, curator of a museum, a Melbourne museum. You see, they they did they didn't need a hurricane fence; they needed a Foley-proof fence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking with Uncle Jack Charles, who's lived a very textured, heavy and colourful existence and it's still got a long way to go. Yet you're, um, you're a life force, so 
there is at least two or three other chapters, I reckon. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. You can write for yourself. Expungements of criminal record recently in Parliament, you know, legislating that uh, within the space of three, five or ten years. You know, we've legislated, we've put it up now. Uh, we've, uh, it's been entered into the books or whatever they call it, OK, uh, to uh, have, you know, seriously consider certain criminal records expunged within a shorter space of time uh, because we believe it's an incentive. People like me can go into prison, due detention centres, and use, well, me, use my fine sense of con artistry to convince the <laughs> fellas, listen, it's only three years or five years, if you can pull up five years, you fellas, it's not long. You can then have your entire criminal records expunged, you know, and you'll be, you'll be able to, you know, get a passport, you'll be able to get a job, and you won't have to answer that question to, in order to get a job, do you have a criminal record? You can tell that beautiful lie, no. Because it's expunged. How many times have you been knocked back for a job because of that, um, that question? Nobody's told me. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You see, I, yeah. I, I've always got jobs. Yeah. You know, I've charmed my way into certain glass uh, factories and that, and I've because I'm, a, quali- years, I'm a qualified glass beverler, yeah, you see. Yeah. So I've had no problems getting work in the glass industry. In the old days, it's all modernised now. They put a put a machine on the edge of the glass and it goes around and does it automatically now. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been uh, boosted out because of automation. <laughs> yeah, like, like most of us. Like most yeah, of us, yeah. Probably yes. will be. Um, look, you've lived a long time in Melbourne yep. and you've been involved in the evolution of Aboriginal affairs and, and the rights movement. What, what do you make of the, of the scene today? The How scene? are things travelling? Um, well, um, it's a big pitched battle uh, with the government and um, uh, the roads uh, people about uh, the, that business with the three. Yeah. Um, and um, really, the, I saw Adam Goods on hand day tonight mm-hmm. and that he's so gentle... Yeah. He's not like me, you know. Um, no, I go hard, you know. Yeah. I believe Australia really showed its true colours by successively, you know, booing him out of the game, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I believe um, Australia, as I said, the week after he was booed on that first instance, I was invited to Q&A and they put me into that first documentary, uh, The Final Quarter, uh, plucked from yeah, uh, Q&A yeah, that. into that and then I said it's uniquely and peculiarly racist against the First Nations people and of course the best lines come later perhaps I should have said you know uh, offside that's you know, Australia <laughs> is peculiarly offside with the, with the but no no we've got to call a spade a spade yeah. you know and, you know if if Australia wasn't racist against this nation our nations and that we'd have been bled onto our school's curriculum you know yonks ago each state has got a unique history of from uh, invasion, from uh, uh, from the the wars, using the certain well, my great grandfather and William Barack of the police, you know, you know, native police force to help eradicate the, the small uh, uh, clan groups so that the squatters can uh, squatters can grab <coughs> that land and etc. <coughs> So, you like a glass of water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got a long way to go. Yeah. But at the moment, you know, people are talking up treaty. It's fantastic to be able to talk up treaty. You know, we've 
Well, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have even imagined that possible, you know, ten years ago, let alone twenty or thirty yeah, or forty yeah. years ago. But it's not going to happen in my lifetime. I can see that with the with the response from governments, successive governments, successive prime ministers, they've all knocked it on the head, and that without a by your leave, yeah. and that we've uh, you know we you know we 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 liked uh, uh, Kay Rudd's apology to us. And it was good. We never knew. We knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. You know, we're different. And Adam Goods said tonight, it's because, you know, right from the first instance, Australia was declared as terra nullius, devoid of people. Mm. Now, you know, we were, we weren't, uh, we, we were counted amongst the flora and fauna. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, it wasn't until people like Galpilil I remember seeing Jedda. Tutawalli made a good go of it, but not like Galpalil did. When Galpalil came on the scene, he was the man most responsible for placing Indigenous people here in Australia onto the map of, of Exotica. Yeah. He was. Well, he's, he's one of the, the greats of all time, isn't he? Like in, in terms of, you know, both black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of his, his ability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, before I let you go and let you go home and put your feet up, you've sort of alluded to it already, but what, what are your hopes for the future of Aboriginal people in what we now call Victoria? Uh, that we have a, um, um, a you know, a, a full... Um, Accounting. We we need uh, uh, the ability to uh, go into all the places of difficulty, the youth detention centres. Our elders need to, you know, we need serious elders. By the way, yep. People that are genuine. Yep. Not just on there are trips. people that are, you know, noted as elders, but I don't believe they're doing elder states people's work, like statesmen or stateswomen's work. You know, you have to be truthfully up front and pushing forward all the levers to try and deter as many people as possible from within those, you know, uh, jails and the detention centres from returning. So we need to have something, uh, you know, outside. You know, I'd like to see Yarra Council, for instance, undertaking a measure that uh, recently given that Darabin Council has recently done with the uh, Cool and Deadly Radio Station. Yeah, it's brought it back do. to Preston yep. from out of the boondocks of Bundara, way, way out that way, no, uh, way out, way out, way out where the yeah, university the sticks, is. Yeah. At, you know, brought it back into Preston and being given to Preston Police Station on a 99-year lease, three peppercorns, I think it was, or five. Yeah, yeah. And that. So I want a building in Collingwood, Fitzroy. You know, or uh, 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 reservoir. I want to reconstitute the workshops. You know, where I can put pottery in there. You know, rows of computer on the second floor. Uh, you know, it needs to be a hub. In you know, a sanctuary for people coming out of prison to do this. Their their parole, their CBOs. Uh, people can be directed by the courts to go there and do your. Uh, uh, you know, uh, your your uh, to prove that you're. Uh, well, whatever you you need to do, we need to have yeah. a community hub uh, and open to all, not only to Indigenous people, for for any other lost souls. And we've got a lot of lost souls from the African community that are mixing with us in our prisons, mm. and so we need them. We need to make them welcoming. Well, if we all continue to push in the in the same direction, we will get there. Uh, Jack Charles, Born Again Blackfella, is a great book. It's available in all good bookstores. Highly recommend it. 
Uncle Jack Charles, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Cuz. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm really proud. <laughs> that was from our 2019 conversation with Uncle Jack Charles, who passed away today. Uh, I'm very pleased to hear that there was a smoking ceremony held for him at uh, Royal Melbourne before that happened. Uh, he mentioned in that interview that there is a lot of unfinished business and Uncle will make sure that some of that business is finished in your absence. Absence. There's been a lot of talk, of course, around um, days of mourning in uh, recent days. Well, we here, the Aboriginal community, have been asking for a day of mourning for over 84 years and it has fallen on deaf ears. And hopefully when you hear the stories of people like Uncle Jack Charles, the life that he was forced to lead, and he came to success and fame and love the long way around, hopefully you understand that when we lose people like that, there is so much grief and so much mourning to be had. And my elders, my ancestors, way back in 1938 were asking for a day of mourning to recognise all that was lost in their lifetime and before and we're still losing so much because someone like Uncle Jack Charles still had so much to give as you just heard. But we continue to go forward and we'll make sure that we get the job done on his behalf and on every elder's behalf because without them, well, well what are we? Uh, Got to play a track here from uh, Uncle Kutcher Edwards now, another member of the Stolen Generation, and then we'll be back with uh, some of your texts and to wrap up the show. Hello, folks. It's Uncle Jack Charles here. Why not do me a favour and subscribe to my good friend Damien's show, The Mission? Just go to triplear.org.au. Got it? triplr.org.au Thank you Triple R listeners and good luck with the rest of the show Damien Yes I told you that uh, he was a little bit cheeky and uh, there is evidence of it uh, that was Uncle Kutcher Edwards there with uh, tired eyes and uh, tonight we're paying tribute to Uncle Jack Charles who passed away uh, today um Dream time. It is uh, nine to eight. Uh, let me just uh, tilt my head to my left and uh, read some of the text messages that have been coming in this evening, and uh, we thank you for those. Uh, this is from Anna, a great man. His voice so rich with life and warmth. He's acting just brilliant. R.I.P. King Jack Charles. Uh, let me read this one. This one is a bit lengthy, but uh, might as well read it. Why not? Well, Daniel, the sadness is so strong. I do see Jack and many others who have had to learn to be the per- best person for such ba- for such fellas. I'm guessing that you may have been influenced by the man and you are a great man as his, as him in the making. Well, I don't know about that. I'm just sitting here playing tunes and crying. Um, I think uh, that as a folk with hearts that, like Jack, are very common in the Indigenous culture and the public acknowledgement and statue in the community stature in the community is akin to a lighthouse. That's very well said. Thank you very much for that. Um, let me just say, well, I'm not reading that one. Um, 
Daniel, that was a beautiful opening tribute to Uncle Jack. Thank you for sharing. I know that uh, that must have been hard to do. Soon, I love Bez. Like I said, Bez, and thank you for the uh, for the message. I'm just sitting here playing tunes and uh, crying. Uh, my heart goes out to everyone who was fortunate enough to have their paths intertwined with Uncle Jack Charles, sending you strength tonight as you guide so many of us through our grief at farewelling a true king of Australia. May he rest well with his ancestors. Well, that's definitely what this show is all about this evening. Uh, We've got to acknowledge the great ones when we lose them. It is 7 to 8. I'm going to play uh, a couple of cuts just to break the, uh, the mood a little bit. And then uh, we'll be back with some more music and uh, a final wrap-up. You're listening to The Mission on 102.73 Triple R FM. Thank you, Bez. Um, another thing I wanted to say about uh, Uncle Jack before we hand over to the beautiful people at uh, Superfluity was that he was a massive fan of community radio and he was a massive fan of this station. If you head to the Triple R Facebook page or you hit to the Triple R Instagram page, you will see a series of photos of people looking very, very happy to be in his presence in various places within this building that we're in, including this very studio that I am sitting in and speaking to you now. You'll also see a very rare photo of me smiling. That's how good he was with people. To get me to smile on the photo was... uh, I won't say one of his great achievements, but it was something else. Um, Look, we're coming to the end of the program. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Thank you very much for uh, your thoughts. Um, Thank you for uh, being a part of this fantastic station that is Triple R, because without this station, we wouldn't be able to... I wouldn't be able to certainly pay tribute to someone as beautiful as Sol as... Uncle Archie, oh, sorry, I paid, paid tribute to him earlier, um, seems like days ago, um, but Uncle Jack Charles. So my thoughts and love are with his family and his community and with mob, black and white, everywhere that was touched by him. Uh, let's hear a few more um, bars of this uh, tune, which is Sympathy Number no. 4 on G Major. Uh, which is just an excerpt by the Australian Chamber Orchestra. And then we'll go into a pertinent Charlie Pride song because I know Uncle Jack, like the rest of us, loved the man. Uh, Until next week, stay strong, stay safe and stay listening. Ta-da!